When I was in seminary, one year for spring break, my brother, a good friend who has since become my brother-in-law, and I went skiing in the mountains of wild, wonderful West Virginia. While driving there in a March snowstorm, I remember winding along this steep, narrow back mountain road. The map showed it as being more direct than the better road that went along a valley. Coming to the crest of one huge mountain, there painted in big white letters on a rock were the words, Prepare to meet thy maker. Read John 3.16. Well, fortunately, as a seminary student, I already knew John 3.16, but I shudder at the thought of some poor soul madly thumbing through her Bible trying to find it when she should have been watching the road. Right after I saw that painted rock, the road began to descend rapidly. I upshifted into third, applied the brakes, held on for dear life. Down we went, down, down the steep decline. I dodged icy patches on the road, fearful we might lose control. And then... All of a sudden, the road made a sharp hairpin turn to the left, which took me right on the edge of a cliff before the road wound on around the mountain, lower and lower. That sign was put there, knowing that I would come to the edge of that cliff. Prepare to meet thy maker, because who knows? Maybe around the next curve, your tire will blow. Maybe an icy boulder will fall on you. Maybe you'll hit an icy patch and swerve off the road, down, down, down. And then you will come face to face with your maker, like it or not. Are you prepared for that? Read John three sixteen. It is a popular piece of scripture, I would venture to say that it is the most popular, or at least the most memorable. Watch a televised baseball game. Invariably, there is someone behind home, behind home plate holding a sign, John 3.16. God loved the world, loved the world so much that God gave, not to condemn, but to save, John says not to condemn. We go through life moralizing, scolding our children. We try to be the best we can be, and we expect others to do the same. But John reminds us why we are here. In life, we are on the way of following in the footsteps of Jesus, not because of what we have done or what we have left undone, we are on the way because of what God has done. The cross is not simply one more constant reminder of our human guilt, as if we needed more reminders of that. No, the cross says that the most inhumane work of human sin, the crucifixion, gets transformed into something glorious, divine redemption. The prophet is sent not to scold, but to save. The preacher has come to lift up, not to tear down. Giving the commencement address at Oberlin College in 1965, 
one year after the Civil Rights Act was signed into law, Martin Luther King Jr. said, We shall overcome, because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. He used these same words in one of his final sermons of his life, delivered at the National Cathedral three years later. While many thought the arc of the moral universe would finally achieve justice in 1964 when the Civil Rights Act was signed, King knew that it was merely a waypoint along that long arc. Despite all of the injustice, King did not give up hope that justice would one day arrive. After this year of needless violence against people of color, his words still hold true. The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. King could say that because he trusted that the God we see in Jesus Christ is still at work. God came to build up and to save, not to condemn. But we preachers haven't always been very good at building up. We hold the cross up to people and say, look at what you did to Jesus. Just look at it. But John 3.16 says, look at the cross and see what God does for you. Once there was this mean old rancher. He was a tough man who didn't take nothing off nobody. One of his cowhands rustled a cow, and when they finally caught up with the cowhand, they dragged him before the old rancher. He looked down at the poor, frightened cowhand and said, Hang him. It'll teach him a lesson. Well, years went by. The old rancher finally died. It was his turn for judgment. And when they took him before the throne of God... He thought of all the main things he had done in his life, and he shook in his, boot, in his boots. God Almighty looked down at the mean old rancher and said, Forgive him. It'll teach him a lesson. It was out of love that he came among us and stood beside us and died with us, for us, and saved us. Love. Remember the words of amazing grace? I once was lost, but now am found. We are here today, not as the lost, but as the found. Henry Nouwen, in his popular book, Life of the Beloved, goes into great depth about a change that occurs in Jesus' ministry. It began when Jesus was baptized by John. As Jesus ascends from the Sea of Galilee, the voice of God proclaims for all to hear, This is my Son, the Beloved. Listen to Him. Over the course of His ministry, Jesus will tell the world that they, not only He, are the Beloved. You are the Beloved. It's a gift that God gives you. It is not an easy gift to accept. We live in a world filled with voices that shout, you're no good, you are ugly, you are worthless, you are despicable, you are nobody unless you can demonstrate 
otherwise. And then you fall into the trap of self-rejection and God's rejection. But then we hear the soft voice, which reminds us, He came not to condemn the world, but to save it. Because of His great love for you, you are the beloved. You are the beloved. As of Wednesday, 27.5 million cases of coronavirus were recorded. 485,000 deaths. Prepare to meet thy maker, says the rough-hewn rock beside the road. You shudder at the thought of standing before the awesome face of the one whom you have betrayed in every thought, word, and deed. You tremble at the realization you are finally face to face with the Holy One, whom you spent so much of your life avoiding. And then standing before the cross, you indeed meet thy God. Here, in the silence of prayer, you meet your God, and God says, I sent my Son into the world not to condemn but that the world might be saved through him. And our response, what else can we say? But, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever.